Welcome, this is Coppercasts, a show dedicated to exploring the wonderful, if somewhat technical, world of institutional investment in crypto assets. I'm your host, Tyler Kenyon, and today we have a very special guest. So this is going to be unlike any episode we've done before. Um, Today we are joined by world-renowned actress Rebecca Ferguson. Rebecca got her start in her native Sweden in the early 2000s with appearances on soap operas that I won't try to pronounce and risk offending all the Swedish listeners we have which we do have, I I hasten to add. Um, She was then cast in a BBC period drama, White Queen, which earned her Golden Globe nominations for Best Actress. She has starred alongside industry heavyweights like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible and Emily Blunt in The Girl on the Train. And now you can see her in Dune, which is out in cinemas this week. But perhaps most importantly, I say somewhat biased, she is appearing in her first TV commercial and our first TV commercial, The Unfair Advantage. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you. So let's start at the beginning. Yeah. Tell us where you're from. I'm from Sweden, born in Stockholm, went to music school, um, loved singing, but didn't really, funnily enough, like the attention in that way. Hmm. Go figure, I know. <laughs> and then it was cast in a soap opera. And um, But what's it like growing up in Sweden? Because you've, you've lived in the UK now for a fair amount of time and your kids are growing up here. Yeah. So, I mean, how do you contrast that with growing up in Sweden? Um kind of different and at the same time my mum is English Mm -hmm. so I was always bilingual my first three years of school in Sweden was in a English speaking school so my surrounding has always been sort of dipped into the world of of UK and and Sweden Um, so moving over came really natural in the sense that they're both culturally in my body Um, and I keep on going back you know I have a son who lives there so I, I don't disconnect fully I can't disconnect fully and is, is your life there as metropolitan as living in London or is it a bit more kind of rural? Oh, no, I live in a fishing village. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it is the opposite. But it, the travel there is so wonderful because I come from an area in London, which is more outside uh, of center. And then you fly and you land in Denmark, which I absolutely love. There's a kind of uniqueness for Denmark when it comes to... Um, I mean, everything. everything. <laughs> and then you go over the bridge and then you're in sort of the metropole of, of Malmö and then you go further and further out and the rape fields come and sort of the, the countryside and then you're by the water and then there's a fishing village. So it's sort of an emotional decline from hecticness into woolly socks and uh, fishing. Sounds idyllic. Well, for me it is. Yeah. Um, so you went to school uh, for, for singing? I did. And is that, did you know, like how did you know you wanted to be... In the arts, uh, dramatic arts. I knew nothing. My mum just tried out everything. It was like, so this week we are doing bridge with the average <laughs> age of Alice, 55, Jane, 79, and their friend Don. And you didn't take 82. to bridge. <laughs> Do you know what? I, um, I always thought that I could have been a croupier because when I was young, I could count cards. Mm. So I could completely remember every single card that had gone in a pack, uh, which was quite cool. Very useful in some certain circumstances. Well, it was. And also, I really enjoyed it. So every morning, my mother would wake me, and we would have gin rummy, two men's whist, and a smaller game, um, casino or something. And then we would play with matches um, of, like, money. And then we would have Mozart in the background, and we'll do that every single morning to teach me to count. Um, was she trying to groom you I, into I'm a casino sure life? I'm not sure where we of, were going uh, with it. But yeah, because I mean, as a brand, we're going to <laughs> Vegas next week for a conference. So maybe maybe we should have been doing I'll this in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. So so then how does that transition from, you know, uh, being encouraged at home into the arts to then 
you know, enjoying it yourself academically and mm. then professionally? It was, funnily enough, a natural kind of movement for me because I never had, it sounds really bad, I feel, but I never had the urgency or the t determination to become something. And I think because I was so young, I was thrown into... Um, acting. I was 15 when I was cast. And that's because my mum saw a casting ad somewhere and said, we're, we're trying it out. I think that was my mum's motto. It was, it's there, let's try it. Um, so that was always in my sort of backbone. And then I think there was one job that, I mean, the, the soap opera was so much fun because I never liked standing on stage in front of class. I hated holding essays or speeches. I would blush. And then somehow, once I was standing in front of a camera, I felt so safe and protected somehow. And I, I, I didn't see the millions of people watching whatever it was on the other end. It was just me and this other person winging it and playing. And I just, it just felt natural. And then one job after another led to where I am now. I, f I feel actually really, really oddly lucky being where I am when I know how people like fight to get here. Was there a moment where you realized I guess, A, like, I can do this, and B, I want to do this. Mm. I think I did that soap opera, and then I was <laughs> I was offered a role in a, in a soap opera, which, not to mention, took me to Miami, um, where I got to meet some interesting characters, a uh, different world, at 17. But then I was cast as the lead in a, t um, a cinema film in Sweden, directed by a very respected director called Richard Hobart was like theater drama it was a big big deal and that got me an agent that flew me over and that got me an agent in London and I think at that point it was movie it was another energy on set we weren't shooting two and a half episodes a day mm. uh, we didn't have two teams one rehearsing and one shooting alternatively there was quality to it in a different way there was an emotion when you cried, you didn't have Vicks or, or anything in your eyes. You had to build up real emotions. Um, it was, it was a job, really a job. Is that is that how you? I mean, what do they say that you break America, right? Because not not many actors or actresses from from Europe, I don't think, really a get a chance to break into America. Um, so, w which job was it that you think really landed you in front of their eyes and gave you the opportunities there? I mean, for me. This one way to Antibes, the Swedish one, got me the um, collaboration with an agency in London. And when I flew over, they actually said in that meeting, we have a casting right now going on. It was the same day. They said, could you fly back or, or if I stayed that night or something? And it was for the White Queen. Mm. And that was my first ever casting. And a couple of months later, it was a long process, I was given the lead in, in the BBC drama, The White Queen, that done the Golden Globe nomination. And the rest is history, as they say. I mean... Well, I guess, I mean, we can fast forward to June, which is out I mean, very soon. <laughs> yeah. But this must have been a very different um, recording experience, filming experience, right? Because it is very CGI and, like, VFX heavy, right? So, I mean, how do you adapt what you've learned in your profession and your craft in previous jobs to something of this scale? Do you know, it was quite fun. When we were on set, me and uh, Timothy Chalamet, we... Um, we talked about how how we dive into such a big project because he comes from indie movies and smaller scale productions, um, which I have never really done, something I'd love to do. I come from Mission Impossible, mm. which is CGI, 
no black um, blue screens it's all real and so it's a world that i knew mm. but i wanted to find the smallness in the largeness so so it was so incredible the dynamic between us and what we could teach each other so yes there's cgi and there's incredible sort of um visual effects in this, something I actually haven't done at this scale. Uh, but what was amazing is they were all on set. It was nothing that was added later on in the sense that I hadn't seen. I could I could go into the tent where Paul sat, who won an Oscar for Blade Runner, mm. and, and he would sit and show me the technology of how you break the sand and how it falls layers upon layers before something erupts. Mm. Um, so it was such a, um, an inclusive environment. And, but it's still a big production, or did it feel like there, there's a, a small number of people around you at all time, or is it like enormous? No, it is enormous, but I, I, I cannot say I haven't done it. Uh, mm. So it's not, it wasn't a shock in that sense. But what was very new for me was being on an enormous set in the desert, in Wadi Ram, in Jordan, you know, it, but it felt so personal, mm. like you were so close to the people around you. The movement wasn't at a pace that I'm used to, where it's no scripts, mm. you have no idea what the heck you're doing, you just go with it, make sure you're well-trained and kick ass. <laughs> uh, which is, by the way, something very cool. This is so character-driven, so from the core, and then everything else is like spaceships, sandworms, but you have to just maintain your identity. Um, What's the anticipation been like? Because you wrapped filming on it, I guess, quite a while ago, and then we had yeah. the pandemic and everything like that. So yeah. you've just been, been waiting. You know what? Um, I'm so proud of this film. And right now we're going through the promotion, and, and I had my last premiere in London last night. And I think we film, and then the pandemic happened, and I think we disconnected so much from the production because the world was in chaos. And then we had to go back and reshoot some films, so it kind of ejected life into it again. But right now is a moment where we get to share it with everyone, and you realize how big it was, how emotionally affected we've been mm. by filming it, how much we really loved it. It's a really good movie, man. I, I can't wait I to mean, see it. I mean, we're. Crazy. I think we've got like our team has a screening of it tomorrow night. It's gonna be. We're everyone's looking forward to it. It's it's uh it's everything. People are talking about it. So yeah. Well, and if you don't like it, I don't care. I loved it. <laughs> I'm I'm assured. I'm doing the second one in my back garden. There's a, there was a lot of fans of the book uh, in the office. We have a book club uh, at Copper. You do. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Dune is very very popular. Have you read it? Yes. I mean, it was, is it is, good? I'm kidding. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so at the same time, you yeah. know, as, as Dune is ramping up, you get contacted by a crypto company called Copper with the idea of doing a commercial that's shot in a similarly kind of alien landscape yeah. in, in Iceland. What honestly went through your head when, <laughs> when your agent came to you and said, what do you think about crypto? Um, I paused... And I thought, I kind of actually, my first response was, what? Yeah. <laughs> to be honest. And then I thought, because it's, to be honest, it is a conversation in my family that has been on the table for quite some time. And it's very hard to not be interested. You'd be kind of pushing away something that is 
kind of not scraping but coming up to the surface so actively um so it's kind of been this so i think there was a bit of me going oh my gosh i can actually learn about this i can bring some knowledge to the table when we're sitting there having our lunches or whatever it is and i go oh crypto you say <laughs> well actually ethereum i'll tell you the green version um no it it it, it gave me sort of an option to or a possibility to to learn more and when, when was the first time you guys started having these conversations about crypto around dinner table? Because I'll admit, when we first met, you dropped some knowledge on me. Well, you, you meant you referenced like pancakes. Well, yeah. you asked me if I liked cake, and I was like, Did you react I, to that? Was it, was... Well, I thought you were talking about cake, cake. And I'm As like, did I the first time I heard it. Right, exactly. And when I'm someone like... was like, Yeah, so I'm, I'm swapping in cake, I was like, Which one are you going for? Are you yeah. going for chocolate? or Because I really love uh, key lime pie. Um, I think the first time I I heard about cryptocurrency is I had a friend who was quite into Silk Road. Okay. Um, Previously. uh, Previously. (laughs) Previous iteration of the crypto world. Yeah. No no mention (laughs) (laughs) names. By the way, there are incredible articles out there on on Silk Road. I find it so fascinating. I love having a foot in a in a undescribed protected world, and then also in the world we live in. Um, but yeah, so, so Silk Road was active back in the day, as we know, and thing people were trading in mm. what they called cryptocurrency. And I think I didn't really understand it. It made no sense and it was naughty and it was non, you know, accepted and, and also sort of, um, complications and, and illegal, mm. et cetera, et cetera. I, by the way, didn't have a Silk Road account or <laughs> I, I was not into the black market, but it's an interesting conversation. And then later on, people were talking about sort of trades happening and crypto becoming a thing and i think it took a long time for me to realize that these actually were linked it was the same entity mm, that was technology technology would you say technology yeah. that that would be coming back and reoccurring um and that sort of has been it's been like flashes of realization of what it is and that it has been there sort of told mm. in the background constantly blockchain technologies and cryptocurrencies have been around for about 10 or 11 12 years mm. and they were bubbling up in nefarious ways at the start and then they became more legitimate and the yeah. conversation grew and but more people is, started talking about it. And that's that exactly how things bubble. I mean, yeah. there are things that will be unrecognized and when we don't know what it is, it's going to be put into a, a black um, sort of corner of, of, of sort of unconventional ways and we don't sort of accept that. It takes a really long time for us to get into habit and thought and which we basically are going to get to or where we have to get to. So we also talked about NFTs when we were on yeah. set, and I think because as part of our conversation about I mean, you know you your background in crypto is, oh on, yeah, I, I mean. know, <laughs> no, we're we're gonna hire you again and again and again. <laughs> so NFTs because you were you guys were looking I think at like the Damien Hurst stuff and you were thinking yeah. about it, but you didn't pull the trigger I don't think in the end or did you? No, no. we didn't pull the trigger. <laughs> well, damn, Sean. Um, but yeah. I mean, how did you hear about them first? Was it just you know your friends are talking about it or? Yes, this was a topic at hand because Damon Hurst uh, did, I think it was called the Currency Exchange, I think his art is called, the Currency. So we were told about Damien uh, Hurst's new sort of, um, what would you call it? The Currency Project, yeah, art art project, which he calls the Currency. Um, And I really liked the idea and hated the idea at the same time of art being sort of a non-tangible object. 
but you 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 know about it, right? You yes. Know, you know the, yeah, yeah. the idea of the ten thousand pieces of art, and, and you can even have the real one or the and NFT. then you can buy. Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, we just thought in a world that is expanding and getting into something else, it's fun to be a part of it. It's a conversation. It's mm. it's fun to be on the platform where it's all happening. But we were at a, a wedding and it came up and my husband was like, oh my God, we're going to do this. So he went up and you have to create the blockchain, et cetera, et cetera. And the computer kept on malfunctioning. <laughs> so the page went down three times uh, and then we just went, stop. We, we have to be sort of present right now where we are at the wedding. <laughs> it's so frustrating because all this technology is so new and you have to create accounts everywhere. Oh and my there's gosh, KYC, you have no idea. And then you just, you really lose the impulse. It was, it was a catch 22. Yeah. And to be honest, we both, he got really annoyed. And I was like, babes, it's my sister's wedding. You cannot be annoyed for this situation. This is reality because right of crypto. now. <laughs> because of crypto. But he said, why can't it be easier? This cannot be the way forward. You know, my it is malfunctioned. That has nothing to do with that. It was probably something to do with Connections computer issues, yeah. etc. But then during the night, it had um, tripled in price. At least. I mean, it was insane. Yeah. And I said, it's not, it's not worth it. This is not <laughs> worth it for me. And then it was so much fun because you kept on seeing it drop and, and escalate. And I mean, the, the structure of, of the currency was insane, yeah. minute to minute. Yeah, volatility is a <gasps> common theme in crypto. People The issue for me is it. though, if, we, we, if it doesn't stabilize, it's not going to become a household entity hmm. that is my biggest issue with this because i don't understand it well enough to have time and tolerance to create blockchains and to understand how you build it and yeah. how to understand how to do wall after wall and i just give up yeah and i, I don't know what like the it becomes sort of a, a cool thing for elite to yeah. understand it you sort of financial that. trade people etc and i kind yeah. of feel like i get enough but I don't have the resource or the time to be able to do it. Yeah. Does that? But we're still really early on in terms of its like adoption widely anyway, yeah, right? I'm, more in, I'm in the pond, man. <laughs> <laughs> I want more now. Also, when you have sort of workers coming to you going, do you, uh, do you work in crypto? I'm yeah. like, hmm? <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're like me and you right now here for the roof laying. I'm going to go no. But it's coming in, is yeah. my point. It's and like people talk here. about it on, on movie sets and stuff like that. I think the, yes, the shoot they that we, like really... Yes, they talk about it on Mission. People were yeah. they bloody swapping in, in pancakes or, yeah. you know, whatever <laughs> they're doing. Actually, Ethereum 2.0, I think, is the... Isn't that sort of a big one now? Because it's the most... Yep. Yeah, it is yep. the greenest... It's coming. It's ...version. And that's a, that's a huge conversation as well um, about the whole thing. Also, to get back, sorry, to mm. your question in the beginning, you said to me, what was your reaction? Mm. So I started Googling and people were talking about mining. Mm. and the issues with the environment. And this was one of the biggest reasons to why I sat down with my team. And I said, I cannot be the face of something that is not beneficial for the earth, for humankind, for, I don't understand em enough. And then after conversations with you guys, with conversations with people who I know understands this world, it was such like um, a bubbling exciting topic where i realized it's not the fact that there's a lid on a situation where things can't change it's an ongoing conversation that there are some mining issues within some cryptocurrencies that you can just not choose mm -hmm. and the fact that the other ones like i keep on saying the ethereum one is actually coming up as one of hundreds of options yeah. for a green version 
And I thought, that makes sense. That's what you can be a part of. Of the change, that's what you talk about. Mm. You know, it, it will be issues before it's brilliant. Um, Maybe the next commercial will, will offer to pay you on Ethereum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'd actually do quite well out of that. Three point though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, um, so we have some questions that we run through with every guest. They're they're not really crypto related. They don't have to be crypto related. Whew. If you don't mind. Although I actually really enjoyed the conversation. Okay, but good, good, good. Well, yeah. let's see how we go. Okay, so yeah, the first question is about where you see the industry in one year versus ten years. And we often so we've had non crypto people. <laughs> that's okay. We've had non crypto people on the show, and we adapt it to their industries. We've had journalists. We've had. Um, traders we've had non-crypto people okay. so you can either do this about you know what you think about the crypto industry when you're 10 years now because okay. you're in it now you're in the pond or we can talk about the film industry uh, or the arts in general uh, one year no, versus no, no. 10 years okay from a novice mm-hmm. but who's interested where the crypto stands in a year i think i think it will be quite the same to what it is now I think the conversations are being so much more heightened that I think, to refer to what I said before, the request for a more stable line and curvature is going to become more and more essential for people to want to start trading in it. So I think that's something we're going to have to start working. We, see, I'm already... You're in. You're one they, of, one you guys, of us. One of us. <laughs> are going to have... You've got the bracelet as well. So. <laughs> um, I think that is number one. Before it becomes like a household name, which I think is going to happen in like 10 years. It's going to be something that we're trading in. It's going to be something we can use in supermarket. It's going to be the new way of currency. But it won't be unless it's stable. People are not mm. going to dare to throw their money into it or their, 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 their time, their, their, you know, their life saving into it. Yeah. They can't. Yeah. No, absolutely fair. Um, if you could change one thing about the industry, and again, we can do crypto or or the arts, um, what would you change? The simplicity of it. Mm-hmm. It needs to be accessible for every person out there. If this is supposed to be the new way forward, it needs to be, you know, I was going to say John and Sue. I don't know John and Sue. John and Sue could be anyone. But in my head right now, John and Sue don't understand it. Yeah. Um, and you can't have a platform crash at a wedding when you're trying to buy some no, art. No, it doesn't work. God's sakes. And it <laughs> can't be triple in price within exactly. a second. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work, guys. No, but I think that's a very, very... That for me is an issue. And that for me is an issue when, you know, my, my brother-in-law who is, is swapping in pancake constantly, doing pancake swaps, um, and I don't understand the conversation. And even though he tries to break it down, it's still really difficult. I have to be really alert and active to understand what it means and the outcome and, and why it is a good idea. Um, so that I think is step one for this to become huge okay what is one no, piece no you don't say okay you say i agree such a good point rebecca well done well rehearsed Flatter me. <laughs> huh i said well rehearsed actually not <laughs> winged it improv no no true honest answer it actually is there you go i'm actually not kidding I- this is the conversations around my table at home jokes aside this kept on coming back because i kept getting annoyed um with the fact that i didn't get um, I didn't understand the idea of it. And then we started watching uh, the startup. And this girl starts talking about cryptocurrency. And I was like, okay, get bits of it. And it's like 
bloody croquet, well, not croquet, what's it called, cricket. And you get bits of it. And then all of a sudden, you're there, you're watching, and then you go, I have no idea, and I just want to go home. Mm. Do you think, to some extent, like, the way fiat currencies, like the British pound and the US dollar work, like, I don't really understand the way the Bank of England... Inflation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, manages inflation. <laughs> as, as an individual, like, I don't really need to know that, to use money, right? So I wonder... You know, do you think we'll get to a point with cryptocurrencies where you don't necessarily need to understand That's the way tactile. the blockchain works? We need tact things that aren't tactile doesn't make sense for mm. many people. When I invest in things, for example, I don't like investing in stock market. I do because it's a great thing to do. Uh, I'm not really high risk. I did the test. Apparently, I'm medium to high. Really? <laughs> Which is really boring. <laughs> Quite low, actually. Um, it's because I'm safe in that sense. I like property market. Uh, because I can see it, I can touch it, it makes sense. That, for me, I think is an issue. What about for our children, do you think? Because they'll be, like, properly digitally native. I know, I know. I think I'm too selfish to think about them right now in that sense. I'm so worried about, like, my two-year-old. I need to understand it. On I the feel. iPad, swiping, knowing how to search. The it's worst damn. thing is if your two-year-old looks at a magazine and starts zooming with her fingers. <laughs> As <laughs> that, yeah. Yes. As if we have magazines in our house. <laughs> <laughs> you just ripped them to shreds. Well done, well done. Actually, it was uh, it was my birthday yesterday. Happy birthday! Thank you. Shit, I feel like um, I should have known that. Don't worry, don't worry. Great Thank research. you for the flowers. And it's a lovely <laughs> present. Um, Get some swag. Quick. I was given five because because we do property. Uh, I got five interior design magazines, like the ones on the shelf, mm -hmm. and it makes me so excited to hold a magazine. I love them. I love yeah. newspapers and magazines. And wallpaper. That's a good one. Oh, God, the best. Pulling it off. So satisfying. No, I mean the magazine wallpaper. Oh, sorry. I thought you meant a journal. What does your weekend look like when you get time off? If you get time off? I don't know. You seem incredibly busy. I am ridiculously busy to the point that yesterday, it's my birthday yesterday. Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> um, my husband said, so I've got this booked and I thought this. And I was like... Babes just cancel everything. My dad's flown in for the premiere, uh, and it was glorious. We went for a walk. Um, I had bought a little rowing boat to go up and down the Thames in. Uh, it was too windy, but it was nice. We were going to do it. Mother Nature decided today is not the day, so we kept on walking, grabbed a little coffee, walked back, played some board games. Um, so I think for me, joy of weekends is if I can just not have anything planned and just let friends knock on doors and spontaneously come in for a coffee or a break um, because it's intense yeah I guess intensity is wonderful as well you know what as long as you have like a balance to it right yeah but also my dad said exactly the same thing to me the other day which made me quite sad but I said the same thing to someone else two days prior he said this moment right now He'd flown over with one of my sisters and we were at the premiere and he was just watching me and he said, these are the moments when I'm in bed, sort of deathbed or can't do the things I'm doing now. And it's just experience. It is, I mean, why, why do copper if you're not into it? Because it's experience, because it's fun, because it's memories. Uh, you're a part of a change. Absolutely. And these will come up as little sort of episodical, you know, defibrillations of, of, of life when you lie there. That's why we do this, you know? If, if we're just still, that's going to be a boring investment for when you're lying on that bed. Mm -hmm. Early exit too, I imagine. Oh. Okay, this question, we ask everyone, but I think it was meant for you, even though we wrote it before we knew you. What movie can you watch over and over again and never get tired of? 
And if you want to shamelessly can self-plug I? something, you can. I mean, Dr. Sleep, no. Um, <laughs> that is such a, it's such a vulnerable question. Because, um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, which, by the way, I do watch all the time. It's very easy to go it's in and out of that. Asleep too, yeah. Unless I read a book, uh, which I never do. Um, the first third or the first bit of um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Hmm. Good choice. Have you you've seen it? You of like course, it? Of course, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. So for me, the oddity of it, it's 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 just brilliant. It completely takes me it takes me out of my mind. It's it's so the rhythm, the voice, Stephen Fr- I mean it's 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 yeah. It's everything. And anything Alan Rickman touched. Oh Sam Rockwell. Mm. What a dream. and I mean it's just it's amazing. Agreed. Good answer. Mm. Okay, um, do you have a catchphrase or a motto that you live by? I mean, I have the really stupid ones. I have like, this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. But my mum always said it when things were good. Mm. Um, Interesting. So she always turned it around, yes. Keeping you grounded. Big time, baby. I'm like, mum, I'm so happy and proud. She's like, oh my darling, me too. But just remember, this too will pass. Interesting. I was like, thank you. Take that to the grave. Um, I had the opposite experience. I had a, a drill sergeant in the army reminding me of that while marching up a mountain with like 60 kilos of junk on your back. Oh he goes, don't worry, God. this too shall pass. This and too shall like, pass. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> There's a mask at the top of this hill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, who should we all follow on Twitter? I don't do Twitter. Good. Yeah, it's but a crazy I, toxic place. I just, is it? I don't know, mm. to be honest. I had Facebook back in the day and I just found myself merged into looking at people doing sourdough mm. or something. You're an Insta person though, right? Yeah. So I said no. And then I thought, what am I doing? My son, who is 14, he was like, mom, get into the world of the no. Mm. Uh, yes, he said that. I mm. promise. <laughs> mom, get into the world of the knowing. Uh, and I thought, yeah, why not? I'll do it. It's just something so self-righteous, I was going to say, but the egosness. I mean, you see mm. mine. I'm doing, like, posts of myself in, <laughs> in dresses and where I'm like, yeah, I look good, let's post this. Or I think I, I need to get somewhere to where I heighten other people and lift other people. But it's such a new environment for me. Mm. I'm just trying to get the followers. Do you manage your own account? Or yes, of wow. course I do. Isn't that the point? Yeah, well, I thought big, you know. I mean, movie uh, stars would have people do that for them. But yeah. then that's kind of counterproductive in the f- the fact that people want to feel close to you, right? True, true. You know, I might get so famous one day I don't have time to do it. <laughs> Next year. You know, I'll hire copper to do it. That's right. <laughs> Another line of service advantage. we have. Yeah. <laughs> the unfair social advantage. <laughs> okay, here, this one's a tough one. This one catches everyone up. What was the last thing that surprised you? I feel like you want to be honest, but you're tempering yourself. Yes, I'm like, how easy this interview was. Okay. <laughs> Result. I'm actually quite, I think I was nervous because we laughed about sort of having having things prepared. And I thought I was far more prepared going into understanding what crypto is. And jokes aside, I think if you are a face of something, you should know what you're talking about. And you should at least have an interest for what you're talking about. Mm. And because I have a family who is so interested in it, it's been really fun to 
get sort of a toe into it and be able to be a part, not to run a conversation, but to actually understand what the conversation is about. Because I really do feel like we are going into it and it's becoming more and more a conversation, whether I'm on set or whether it's at home or, I mean, here and even now with agency. And and I think the shock is, it is difficult, but it's actually quite exciting. It's like peeking behind the curtain a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And this conversation, I mean, these are not prepared questions. These are things that are active right now for me at home because yeah. of you guys, because of doing this. Um, and I'm, I'm actually enjoying it. I think that's sort of, I didn't think I would enjoy it as much. Excellent. Very good. Okay. Um, Copper, the unfair advantage. <laughs> <laughs> Unrehearsed. <laughs> Completely true. Okay. So final question. Actually, this is second to last final question. So if you somehow managed to meet Satoshi Nakamoto, who is the... Oh, the founder. The founder of Bitcoin. Wrote the Bitcoin blockchain 12 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know him. But no one one knows (laughs) who he or she or they really are. But if you somehow... So Banksy. (laughs) So Banksy, man. (laughs) Sorry. If you had one chance to ask him or her or them one question, what would it be? I mean, you know what the boring one would be. Why are you? Why are you secretive? But no, that's uninteresting. Um, I think my question to someone who is so advanced and probably ridiculously intelligent and so ahead of anything: What did he, she do prior mm. to this, and why do we not know about that? Mm. Good and. Question. And was it a success? Hmm. You only get one question. Sorry. I'm joking. You can have it. <laughs> what school did you go to? <laughs> yeah. Do you have a girlfriend? What was your favorite lesson <laughs> subject? Okay, that's it. This is uh, Actually, final yeah, question. Actually, do you know? Do we know? No. She did probably well, we wouldn't nope. because that means we could... Uh, then we know who they are. You know, chain back. There, I mean, there's theories about who they are and some people have claimed to be them, but... No one's really proved it. So It's quite a cool thing, isn't it, to have created something like this and just not need the, the glory of it. Yeah, like the validation or anything like that. Just, it's out there. That's my baby. That's quite huge. Yeah. That means they're doing something else. I think their mum said this too shall pass to them a lot as well. <laughs> this too shall pass. He, she is like, well, I'm not getting my name out there. Yeah. <laughs> not put my name on this one, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> okay um what's next for rebecca ferguson copper 2.0 <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> uh what is next for me um i am doing a um a tv show with apple can we know about it you can know that it's called wool and it is very exciting um is it about wool no, it's not. <laughs> this is this is hardcore. You should this read it. Art. It's a great, uh, great book. It's three books okay. by Hugh Howey. Dystopian future. Um, we've all messed up the world. Mm, we're living again. in silos mm. where hierarchy has been created. We have basically the um, the sort of the idea of Rousseau with his sort of we're born we're born kind and society just messes us up. And mm-hmm. then we have. The opposite, which is we're born greedy and selfish, but society tames us. Mm. And these two idealisms sort of crashing in a silo. And then we have rebellions wanting to break out and trying to create status quo. 
This sounds and intense. My character is a mechanic living at the bottom of the silo. Um, anything else you got coming out now? Because what, what's next um, after Dune? I have Dune. I have. What do I have? I have a film called Mission Impossible. Just that seven. little thing called Mission Impossible Seven. Does that have a release date? Um, that comes out next year sometime. Okay. And then what else do I have? I have a great copper commercial coming out. Yes. Uh, hitting. Um, Commercial channels and yeah. the web very soon. Next week. Yeah. I hope. If it gets through compliance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Hi, everyone out there. To our faithful followers, thank you so much for listening. Now, if you're new to this show and have a burning desire to learn about the institutional crypto, please subscribe to our newsletter or to their newsletter because I'm Rebecca Ferguson, starring in June in cinemas right now. But please reach out at copper, that is C-O-P-P-E-R dot C-O slash insight. If you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, please make sure to give us a good review in, you know, whatever streaming platform that you're using. Or don't, because we're going to be successful anyway. Now, if you want to get in touch, you can always reach uh, Tyler uh, on Twitter, which is at CryptoTSK, that is Crypto Tango Sierra Kilo. Or you can email him directly at Tyler, T-Y-L-E-R dot, I'm not even going to pronounce this word, Kenyon. I mean, what is that, guys? I mean, Tyler dot Kenyon, K-E-N-Y-O-N at copper dot C-O, the unfair advantage. If you would like to be a guest on this show, and I have to tell you guys, it is epic, it is relaxing, it is fun, it's caring, it's where we need to be today. Or, if you know someone who should be, give us a shout. We're here to talk all things institutional crypto with you. This show is made possible with thanks to Maylee Mountfort, Eva Lila, Tally Spear. Today, thanks to Ann Batts, Charlie Powell, L. Barker, and Charles Collier. And Rebecca Ferguson. And of course, Rebecca Ferguson. If you'd like to meet some of our team, we'll be at the Digital Asset Summit in London in mid-November. So we'd love to meet you and talk some more. Thanks very much.